Uh, well, good day, everyone. It's great to see you. Great joy to come and uh, visit you guys at Bexley North. As, um, as Tim mentioned, I'm normally over at the Carlton side of our parish. Um, but yeah, great joy to come and uh, see you guys here at Bexley North. I might say a little prayer for us as we look at this psalm together. Our Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks that you are a God who speaks to us. And Father, we pray that as we come to your word, that you might humble us and teach us, instruct us, that we might live for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the commands that's repeated uh, often in the Bible uh, is the command to rejoice. Right? So you see it in the Old Testament, uh, the psalm that we looked at today in verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, or you upright in heart. But it's not just in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament. So in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, and it's interesting that these are commands, right? It's not rejoice when you feel like it. No, if we are to be people who are obedient to God, then we are called to rejoice. And in fact, in the words of Philippians, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, there's sometimes in our life where rejoicing doesn't seem that hard. You know, maybe things are going pretty well. Uh, but there's other times in our life where that's a real struggle. Uh, and the command to rejoice is something we find very difficult. And yet as Christians, there is one thing we can always rejoice in. One thing that we can always be glad of, which is... Well, the forgiveness of our sins. And that's the theme of our psalm today. So Psalm 32, verse 1, the psalm says this, How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, this is a psalm that's all about the forgiveness that God offers. And of course, for us as Christians, uh, we know the forgiveness that comes in Jesus. The great news of the gospel is, Whoever turns to Jesus, well, they will be forgiven. And so if we deliberately focus our attention on this forgiveness, if we focus on that, well, I think it's a great encouragement for us to rejoice and to be glad. Uh, and hopefully we'll see that uh, as we look at this psalm together. So if you look there at uh, Psalm 32, the structure of the psalm is, is quite straightforward. Uh, verses 1 and 2 is an introduction, tells us what the psalm's about. Uh, verse 3 through to verse 5 is a story uh, of the, the psalmist, of, uh, of David. Uh, verses uh, 6 through to 9 is this encouragement and instruction, and then finishes with a little conclusion in verses 10 and 11. At the beginning of the psalm, there's a little bit of information about it. We're told it's a Davidic psalm. Uh, so, as Romans 4 points out, it was written by David. Right? So, great King David from the Old Testament, he is the one who wrote this, this psalm or poem. Uh, but we're not told any other information. We don't know what part of David's life it reflects upon. Uh, it could be the very kind of public sin of David. Right? Remember, David, he was one who committed adultery with Bathsheba, uh, and then murdered her husband, right? Perhaps David is reflecting on that event, uh, or it could be any other time in David's life. We know David was a sinner, uh, so many opportunities for him to reflect 
uh, on this topic. Uh, one other thing is the sort of context of the psalm, which may seem kind of obvious, uh, is that it comes in the Old Testament, right? Uh, so this psalm, this poem was written before Jesus. And just a reminder for us, isn't it, that forgiveness was possible in the Old Testament. Uh, God had given his people the sacrificial system, which we learn about in the Old Testament. Uh, and so forgiveness was possible. Right? But what's, what's really interesting, and we're going to think about this more later in the year when we look at the book of Romans, uh, is that the forgiveness offered in the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of Jesus. Right? It's only because of Jesus that people can be forgiven. And in fact, when we look back at the book of, of uh, 1 and 2 Samuel, uh, when we see that David, after that very public sin of adultery and murder, uh, the word of the Lord came to him through the prophet Nathan uh, and said that his sins had been forgiven. Right? So in the Old Testament, before Jesus, forgiveness was possible, which is why David can write these great words. Look again, verse 1. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, how joyful is the man the Lord does not charge with sin and in whose spirit is no deceit. Uh, that last little phrase, the spirit of no deceit, uh, I don't think this is meant to be someone who is perfect. Uh, in fact, the Psalm's all about being honest and confessing sin. Uh, but I think it reflects a kind of honesty, right? being honest before God uh, and being open about our sin. And we'll sort of see that as the psalm continues. So verse 1 and 2 is like an introduction to the psalm, tells us the kind of the theme. Uh, but then verses 3 to 5 uh, is a bit of a story, right, by David. Uh, and that's what we see in verse 3 to 5. Uh, and he reflects on a time where he kept silent about his sin. And he describes it as a time of anguish, right, of physical, emotional, spiritual anguish. Right, so listen to this in verse 3. So when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Now, the images of the psalm are quite striking, I think. Uh, he talks about his bones, you know, the kind of inner part of his being. They're, they're kind of brittle as he remain silent about his sin. Uh, and I think it's kind of something we can, uh, we can understand, particularly on a sort of human-to-human -human level. Uh, so if you think about someone who's uh, close to you, right, I'm sure you can remember a time where there was some, uh, some conflict or tension, right, maybe, maybe a spouse or a family member or a close friend, right, and something's happened, maybe you did something wrong, maybe they did, maybe you, you both did something wrong, but there's this kind of conflict, right, or tension, this awkwardness uh, between the two. Uh, and as you kind of hold on to your bitterness and your anger, it kind of it gnaws at your bones, doesn't it? It kind of affects your inner being. But then, God willing, there's this time where you, you kind of come together and you speak about what's happened. Uh, there's apologies given. There's forgiveness. Uh, and it's this wonderful relief, isn't it? This wonderful reconciliation, right? Have you, have you experienced a time like that, right? Where then a human to human, this joy of kind of being reconciled. Uh, and that's what David's speaking about, but not with a person, but with God. 
Right? He talks about this time where he was silent about his sin and how that, that kind of suppression kind of gnawed at his bones, made his bones brittle. But later on he'll talk about the joy of relief. Uh, the next picture he talks about uh, is this time where his strength was drained in the summer's heat. Uh, I don't know about you, but as a, as a parent, my kids um, sometimes complain to me about the heat. Right? I mean, it's not even been that hot this summer. Uh, but still, they complain about the heat. And it's hard not to do that thing that parents love to do. Back in my day, right? Back in my day was worse. But it's true, right? My kids complain about the heat. And I think, well, hang on a sec. I grew up out near, in, near, near Penrith, right? A long way away. And it, was, it was hot, right? Out west, it was hot in summer. Uh, the house we lived in, it had a flat tin roof. There was no insulation, right? So it got pretty hot inside. There was no air conditioning, right? Uh, and so inside was hot. You'd go outside. It was hot, right? Anything you did, it would drain you, right? This is the kind of image of the psalm. As David keeps silent about his sin, he says, my strength was drained in the summer's heat. Uh, but I remember as a kid, you know, you'd have a few of those hot summer days, but then you'd hear on the news, right? You couldn't look at your weather app, right? You'd have to listen to the news, right? And they would say, ah, oh, a southerly change is coming, right? And you're like, ah, oh, so great, right? There's a change in the weather. And they would give you updates. They'd say, oh, the southerly change is at Ulladulla, right? It's at Kayama. And then finally, right, the cool change would come, this great relief from the oppressive summer heat. Uh, and, and that's the picture for David. See, the change comes in verse 5. Look there, verse 5. He's talked about that anguish of keeping silent about his sin. But verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you, God, you, God, took away the guilt of my sin. Can you feel this great relief from David? He kept silent about his sin, but now he's been honest before God. And that great relief, that forgiveness is granted. But here's the thing, right? See, David is talking about being honest and forgiveness. But for us as Christians, we know so much more about God's forgiveness, don't we? Right? We know about Jesus. We know that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to die in our place so that we could be forgiven. Right, 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, whatever you have done, whatever you have said, whatever you have thought, the wonderful truth of the gospel is that there is forgiveness because of Jesus. But even though we know this truth, right? even though we know in our head, we know we can be forgiven, right? And yet still, we as Christians, we find it hard to be honest with God. Right? And I'm sure there's times where you, well, you keep silent 
about sin. It's interesting in the psalm, he used this idea, he says, he did not conceal my iniquity, this kind of picture of trying to hide your sin from God. I was talking to Marcus this morning and he had this picture, you know, like a, a child who's got cake smeared all over their mouth and you say, did you eat the cake? No, no, right? Trying to conceal what they've done. But it's so obvious. And so it is with God. See, God is the one who sees everything, right? He already knew what David had done. There's a reference to it in the psalm. He talks about the heavy hand of the Lord upon him. So why would he try to conceal his sin? And why do we as Christians... Why do we think that we can hide our sin from God? Why do we keep silence? I mean, is there something that you have been holding on to? Something you've done, something you've said, something you've thought that you have not yet spoken to our Father about? And it's worth reflecting on this, isn't it? To think, why do we do that? Why do we keep silent about our sin? What's the reason for you? I think sometimes it's it's because we doubt God's forgiveness. We think, well, if I told God he wouldn't want to forgive me. But that's not true, is it? Jesus was the perfect one, the, the Son of God, the one who died in your place. His blood has covered our sin. There is no sin that is too great. God has promised to forgive us. But why else might we keep silent about our sin? I think sometimes, if we're honest, the answer is we like that sin. (laughs) We like doing that thing. We know we shouldn't. We know that God doesn't want us to do it. And yet we think, well, if I tell God about it, then I guess I'll have to try and stop. And so if we're honest, we keep silent. But that is not what God wants for us. That's not his purpose or goal for us, his creatures. He wants us to flee from sin. And so if you're holding on to some sin, perhaps today is the day to turn to God, to be honest, to seek forgiveness and to turn from that sin. But I think for myself, if I think about the times I've kept silent about my sin, I think most often it's because of my pride. I don't know if that's the same for you, right? But we're proud. We don't want to admit to God (laughs) the ways that we've fallen short. So we think we'll just hide it (laughs) instead. We'll keep silent, right? But God already knows, right? It's like the cake smeared on our face. It's obvious to him. He sees everything we do. He sees everything we say. He knows every thought that we think. Why would we try and conceal our iniquity from him? If that is you, perhaps today is the day to be honest before God, to experience that wonderful relief that David describes in the psalm, right? the renewal of your bones, the cool change in the temperature. 
Well, coming back to the psalm, we've had the introduction, verse 1 and 2, tells us the theme of the psalm. Verse 3 to 5, this story or testimony of David. Then verse 6 through to 9 is the encouragement to the reader, right, to us. Uh, And we see verse 6 then, well, kind of what you would expect. David's just talked about his own experience. Verse 6, he says, Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you. Right? That's what you would expect. Right? We've heard David's story. And so, well, you should pray, speak to God, confess your sin, give thanks for forgiveness. But it's interesting, verse 6, because it continues on. He says, Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you at a time you may be found. And it kind of suggests there will be a time that God will not be found. Right? And that's, of course, something we know to be true from God's word, that there is a time for anyone right, to turn to Jesus and be forgiven, but that time is not forever. Right? We don't know how long we have in this life, and that is the window of opportunity we have to turn to Jesus. There will come a time when it is too late. There will come a time when God may not be found. And so there is a bit of a sense of urgency, particularly if you are someone who is not yet a Christian. Right? Maybe this is your first week, here, first week here, maybe coming for a little while, but if you've not yet turned to Jesus, you need to know there is a time that God will not be found. Right? There is a sense of urgency in wanting to turn to him. Well, the encouragement continues in verse 6. Uh, David describes God as a, a great refuge or hiding place, right? So verse 6, when great floodwaters come, kind of a troubles, uh, they will not reach him, the one who trusts in the Lord. Why? Verse 7, well, you, God, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. I think that little phrase, joyful shouts of deliverance, is, is interesting, right? makes you kind of think, okay, there's joyful shouts, but who's doing the shouting, right? And you think, well, who could it be? can't be the psalmist, David, because he's surrounded by these joyful shouts. can't be God, the one who he takes refuge in, because, well, God hasn't been delivered, right? So who's shouting? Right? Who's bringing these joyful shouts of deliverance? I think, I think angels, could be angels, could be angels. I think those that have been delivered are God's people. Right? They are the ones who've experienced the salvation of God. David writes this psalm not just in his own personal memoirs, it's an encouragement for his people. They are the ones who bring these joyful shouts of deliverance. And it's something we know to be true, isn't it? That God has saved us as individuals. If you individually turn to Jesus, you will be forgiven. But he saved us to be a people together, right? And that makes sense. If we draw near to God, well, we draw near to God's people. And together, as we draw near to God, we draw near to each other and can encourage one another with what God has done in our lives. But that only works if we're willing to share the way that God has encouraged us. All right, so today I've got a bit of a, bit of a challenge for you. 
Okay? So after the service, you know, we normally chat together. Right? And there's lots of things you could talk about. You could complain about the weather, right? I'm sure a common topic. You could talk about the tennis, I don't know, whatever it is. But this is my challenge for you, right? Perhaps you could ask someone, how did you become a Christian? Right? Maybe ask someone to share the way that God has been at work in their life. Or you could share your own story. Or maybe you could share one thing that you've learned about God in the year that has been. See, this is what this psalm is about, isn't it? David, the one writing it, is sharing his experience, the joy of forgiveness of sin, and he's written it for our encouragement so that we would read it and that we would be encouraged. But see, David said this is not just... It's not just encouragement, the things that he's been saying. It's more than that, right? Look there in verse 8. It's instruction, right? Verse 8, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. This isn't just instruction we can ignore, right? This, in fact, is God's word to us. God is writing to us through his servant David. And in fact, the psalm reminds us that it's not something we can just take or leave. Now, the image the psalm uses, it's quite striking, okay? These aren't my words to you, okay? Don't be offended by what I say to you, right? This is God's word to you, right? This is what the psalm says. You can see it. But what the psalm says is if you ignore this instruction, well, what does it say? You're like a horse <laughs> or a mule, okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is, right? If you hold on to your sin, if you keep silent about it, if you don't rejoice in the wonderful forgiveness that we have, well, you're like a horse, right? Or a mule that doesn't come near you, right? It's not a very flattering picture, right? But that's what the psalm says. Reminds us of how important that this is, that we listen to this instruction, that we're honest before God, and that we rejoice in the forgiveness that he brings. Well, having instructed us in this way, the psalm finishes in this conclusion, verse 10 and 11, and there's this call to rejoice. Right? And notice this command. Uh, it's in the plural, right? Notice the plural, right? So verse 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all the upright in heart. See, it's not about going home to your room and rejoicing by yourself. This psalm is about us rejoicing together as God's people, as we remember what God has done us. And so as we finish then looking at this psalm, I've, I've got a question that I want to ask you, right? Now, I'm going to warn you now, okay? It's not a hard question, but it's a question I want you to answer, okay? Right? So I want you to give an answer to this question. It's not complicated, okay? So don't worry. All right? But my question is this, okay? You ready? You ready? Yes. Yes. All right. Good. Okay. All right. Let me ask you my question. Are you glad that your sins have been forgiven? Yes, yes. 
Yes, right? Now, look, there was, that was good, right? Response. That was good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord indeed. But let me tell you something, right? I'm going to tell you something. that Look, most of you already know this, right? And then I'm going to ask you the question again. You, you know this is true in your head, right? So you know that all of us have turned against God, right? This is what the Bible calls this sin. We fail to love God as we should. We fail to love one another. And because of our sin, we face God's judgment, right? That's rightfully what we deserve. But God, in his great mercy and love, well, sent Jesus. Jesus humbled himself, was born, well, as a man, that he lived in our world. He was perfect, and yet willingly, Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to take our sin upon himself. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. No, it was by God's grace. By his love and mercy, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And the wonderful hope that we know as Christians is that because of that forgiveness, we can look forward to living with God, our Father, forever. Right? That's not new information, is it? But as we focus our attention on the truths of the gospel, well, let me ask you that question again. Are you glad that your sins have been forgiven? Yes. That's better, isn't it? Right? I don't know whether we've reached the level of joyful shouts of deliverance the psalm talks about. I feel like that's maybe, you know, one or two steps higher, maybe, maybe, right? We've got joyful words of deliverance. But I don't know, but isn't that encouraging? Isn't that really encouraging to hear our brothers and sisters that they're glad they've been forgiven? It's really encouraging, right? warms my heart that we can remember together what God has done for us. See, that's what the psalm is all about. David sharing him, his experience, that he's joyful, right? Encouraging us. But it doesn't just need to be David. We can encourage one another, right? By saying in a, in a moment that we're glad for the forgiveness of our sins. But it doesn't need to just stay at that. You know, after the service, we're going to chat together. You might like to complain about the weather. You might like to chat about the tennis, right? But why not take up that challenge I set before? Ask someone, oh, how did you become a Christian? Well, let me tell you the story of how I became a Christian. What's one thing that you've learned about God that's encouraged you? Let's share together the joy of our forgiveness, that together we might rejoice and be glad in all that God has done for us for his glory. Let me say a prayer in light of that. Our Father, we give you thanks and we rejoice and are so glad for all that you have done for us in Jesus. Thank you so much for that joy of forgiveness because of Jesus. 
Help us to rejoice and be glad in all that you have done. Father, we pray that you would encourage us from this psalm to share with one another the joy of our forgiveness. That in the way that we delight in you, that we might bring glory to you together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.